Now, just for a bit of a laugh, by just showing you 60 seconds of photos from my life. Would that be okay? Yeah? Okay. First photograph, then, ladies and gentlemen, me as a baby. You can see here, ladies and gentlemen, that I was actually born with a receding hairline. <laughs> and you can also see, if you look very carefully, you can see that I was also born with a squint, which means that wherever you are in this room, at least one of my eyes is looking at you. <laughs> Next photograph, me, age seven. Thank you for that laugh. Um, <laughs> You can see I've really got a number of problems here. Um, <laughs> just to choose one of my problems, uh, what's happened here, folks, is this is the 1970s. And what's happened here is that my mum, she's got the kitchen scissors, <laughs> and she's tried to cut my fringe straight, but she's gone ever so slightly uphill. Can you see that? Uh, next photograph, folks, me in a band. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. When I was young, I too was in a band. Jim standing on one side of me. Jim's got a bit of a pout. Can you see his lips pouting? Yes? That's because Jim's been in a band before. <laughs> Roddy and me, however, we haven't been in a band before, so we're just trying to look cool, you know, like you do. Uh, next photograph, me on my stag day. Uh, just to explain, if you are a man and you want to get married in London, you first have to dress up as an ostrich jockey. And uh, now I am married to my wonderful wife, Julia, and we've got these four lovely daughters. So I, uh, thank you again for that extra R. Um, so anyway, I am now 51 years into my journey through life. And probably most of us would agree that during the course of a typical an average 70, 80-year life, there usually comes a moment. Now, granted, this moment may only last for five minutes, but at least for those five minutes, you and I ask this question. Am I alive for a reason? I can see, talk, think, feel. I can have fun. But is there any purpose to life? Why am I here? For that matter, why is anything here? How come there is something rather than nothing? Why did anything begin to exist? Why is there a planet with me living on it? Why is there a universe with me living in it? You know, I showed you a few photos from my life. Right now, you could get your phone. You could show me a few photos from your life. But once we've added them together, does it mean anything? I mean, do our lives count for anything in the greater scheme of things. So are we really just sort of meaningless bags of chemicals? Is life ultimately pointless? During these five minutes, when we're thinking about this big question, along comes a 33-year-old man, Jesus of Nazareth. He's by far the most famous man who's ever lived, and he looks you and me straight in the eye this morning and says, you're not an accident. You're supposed to be here. You are worth something. Jesus of Nazareth says there really is a loving God, a loving God who always planned that one day you would exist. Now this loving God has brought you into existence deliberately on purpose in the hope of having 
the most wonderful relationship with you. A relationship that's so good. It's not just good for this life. It's so good it goes on into the next life, into a place where you'll never be bored. This is a place where every day will be better than the one before. This is a place where you will be filled and thrilled to the max. Jesus says you're that loved by God. And if you're not sure whether you have got that relationship with God, you can have it. In fact, you can begin it afresh even this morning. So as I finish, I'm going to invite all of us to reach down into the bits of paper that are in front of us. And there's a comment card in the chair in front of you, in the back of the chair. There's a pen there as well. And at the end, I'm going to ask everyone just to leave us a comment. You know, obviously, loads of people have worked hard to put on the event. And, you know, we'd really be grateful for your feedback. What did you like? What didn't you like? How could we do this differently next year? And while everybody's writing, if you want to make your peace with God, you can do that just by ticking the box that says, I prayed the old little town of Bethlehem prayer. So all that later on as we're all leaving a comment on the comment cards. Okay, for me, folks, it was at Christmas when I first wondered if there is a purpose to life. It was at Christmas that I first thought, if there is a God, why would God want to make a world with me in it? God seems to have gone to a lot of trouble to make a universe with people in it. Could it be that God wants to have a relationship with me? And how do I, or for that matter, how does anyone get into a relationship with God? And of course, folks, that's where Jesus comes in. At the first Christmas, let's just read the original script in a moment. We're going to see why God sent Jesus to earth. It was to make this relationship possible. The Bible claims that Jesus is the gift from God, which makes this relationship possible. So at Christmas, every single one of us is offered a free gift from God. And if we accept this gift, it makes the relationship between you and God possible. Let's see what we can learn about this gift as we look at the first Christmas. Number one, the gift God wants to give you is a person, a baby, in fact. And just before we read this, I thought maybe I'd just tell you the hilarious true story of how we chose the name of our fourth child. Folks, when my wife Julia went into labor with our fourth child, it was all happening really fast. So fast that we called an ambulance, something we'd never done before. And so my wife Julia and I, we are racing to the hospital in the back of this ambulance. And in the back of the ambulance, it occurs to me that we don't have another girl's name if this is going to be another girl, because we have used up all of our girls' names on our previous three daughters. And so looking for a bit of last-minute inspiration for the name, you may be amused to know that I ask the ambulance lady, by the way, what's your name? And she said, Tanith. I said, pardon? She said, Tanith. I said, oh, um... How do you spell that? She said, T-A-N-I-T-H. She said, do you know what it means? I said, no. She said, it means the serpent lady. 
So, we called our fourth daughter, Emma. <laughs> so, the gift that we received was a baby girl called Emma. The gift God offers all of us is a person, a baby boy called Jesus. The Bible says, let's read this, the God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and will give birth to a son. And you are to name him Jesus. He will be great. And will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. For nothing is impossible with God. So, the gift is a person. The gift God wants to give you is not a wish, a hope, or an idea. The gift that is on offer is a someone, a person called Jesus. And Jesus promises, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I will be with you to the very end of the age. Okay, next, secondly, the gift shows that you are valuable to God. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was an honorable man and didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, um, God with us. Once you accept this gift, the gift of Jesus, God is with you. This gift shows that you are valuable to God. I'm not simply talking about the person sitting next to you. You are valuable to God. And this is not a case of mistaken identity. Maybe on this subject, I could just tell you about a, a second funny thing that happened on that same day, the day when Emma, our fourth daughter, was born. Folks, all four of our children have all been born by cesarean section. What this means for me is that I get to attend the operation, the birth. And so I dress up, they, they make me dress up in this medical outfit. I have to wear these blue overalls 
I change out of my normal clothes, blue overalls, I have to wear this blue shower cap thing, which on me is slightly ridiculous because I don't actually have any hair. But anyway, I have to wear the blue shower cap. I have to wear these white Wellington boots. Even now, I don't know why. Why do I have to wear white Wellington? And that's all part of the outfit. So I walk into the operating theater, and as I walk in, my wife's not there. She, she, she's not in the operating theater. She's still next door. She's being prepared next door. There's no one in the operating theater apart from me, and this one nurse who's standing over here in the corner. And so there's just me and her. So I introduce myself. I say, hi, uh, my name's Adrian. She's, oh, hi, my name's Sarah. I say, um, um, have you been working here at the hospital for long? And she said, well, well, uh, well, no, actually, just a couple of weeks. I've been over at the other hospital. I said, oh, what? I said, do you live over this side of London? She said, oh, no, I live right over the other side of London. I said, oh, right. I said, um, uh, just passing the time of day, I say to her, um, have you been in the operating theater for many of these cesarean section operations she said oh yeah i mean over the years she said over the years i don't know gosh loads i don't know maybe a hundred maybe 200 she said how about you i said well actually this is my fourth she said really <laughs> only your fourth i thought what a strange question because i think four's a lot I mean, don't you? I mean, if I walked out those doors now and I walked into Hull City Centre with a clipboard and a pen and I just stopped men at random, and I said, sorry to bother you, sir. I'm just doing a survey of men in Hull. Just want to ask you a quick question. Sorry. Um, sir, how many cesarean section operations have you personally attended? Most men I meet would say none. A few would say one. Some might say two. But to find another man like me, who would say four, that would be quite unusual, don't you think? But when I say to her, actually, this is my fourth, she says, really, she says, only your fourth? So I reply, well, yeah, actually, um, all three of our previous children have also been born by cesarean section. At which point, she bursts out laughing, she says, ah! She said, you're the dad. I said, yeah. She said, I thought you were the surgeon. <laughs> and of course, from her point of view, it was an easy mistake to make. I probably walked in with an air of competence. They probably thought, she probably thought, well, you know, here's someone who could easily perform a complicated medical procedure. But no, actually, it was just a case of mistaken identity. Do you know the most amazing thing about you? The most amazing thing about me is that this is not a case of mistaken identity. This gift is for you. You can have God with you. Because you are valuable to God. Now I've got here a brand new 50 pound note. And uh, it just so happens that recently um, my wife has persuaded me to buy this dog. So we've got this dog now. We're going on all these dog walks. I'm going to show you a picture of the dog here. And uh, we're on these, oh, gosh, third R. That was amazing. Even the dog gets an R. Fantastic. Um, so anyway, we're going walks um, with this dog all the time. So it, it is literally true that I've got mud from walking the dog on my shoes. Yeah? So uh, let's just take this 50-pound note for a second. Let's imagine that I just stand on it for a moment which means that it has literally got some dirt on it. 
Okay, so a moment ago, it was a clean, crisp 50-pound note, and then it got some dirt on it, but it hasn't lost its value. It's still worth 50 pounds, but it's still a kind of crisp, newish-looking 50-pound note. So let's just change that. Let's scrunch it up so that it's a scrunched-up, crunched-up 50-pound note. So a moment ago, it was clean and crisp, but then it got some dirt on it, but it was still worth 50 pounds. It hadn't lost its value. Then it got scrunched up, but it still hasn't lost its value. You know, it doesn't matter how creased or how scrunched up you might feel your life is. You have never lost your value in God's eyes. This is good news. And incidentally, I am going to give this away in a moment. Because if you remember, the talk's all about, yeah, yeah, I can see your hand up. I told you earlier on, this talk's called The Gift. So it really is a gift. Folks, I want to tell you on this subject, my fa- this could be, in fact, I think this now is my favorite story. And it's on this subject. It's a story about a woman. I heard the story on the news. This woman, she's at the supermarket. She's got a big family. She's got her kids with her. She's just gone round. She's got two huge trolleys of food, overflowing with food. She's got all her kids everywhere. And she's got these two huge trolleys overflowing with food. And she's approaching the checkout. But as the queue is getting shorter at the checkout, she's got that sinking feeling because she's got three debit or credit cards. And she's worried all three are going to be declined. So she's starting to visualize, okay, they've scanned all the items, like all two trolleys, everything's been bagged up. And then, sorry, madam, uh, that card's been declined. Gets out the second card. Sorry, she's visualizing it. Sorry, madam, that card's been declined. She's thinking of the pressure as people are like looking around as it gets to the third card. Will the third card be declined? And she's starting to feel the pressure. She's got that sinking feeling. And now there's only one man ahead of her in the queue at the checkout. This man has just got a basket with three items. So his three items are scanned really quickly. And then just as he's about to pay, the man behind the checkout says, Sir, sir, I don't require any payment, sir. My screen is telling me, sir, that you, sir, have just won our free shopping competition. Sir, my screen is telling me, sir, Congratulations are in order, sir. You are our one millionth customer. And sir, I can tell you that all the items that you have brought to the checkout today are all absolutely free. The man looks down at his basket with the three items. But without missing a beat, he turns to the lady Behind him, in the queue, the lady with the two trolleys and all the food and all the kids, he throws his arms open wide and says, darling, he says, we've won. And he gives her a massive hug. She plays along, gives him a massive hug back. And so all of her items all get scanned. And so she gets all of her shopping absolutely free and for nothing. Folks, the Bible's claim is that we're all heading to the checkout and that we've all maxed out our credit. And yeah, the queue is getting shorter 
And I'm getting worried because I'm in debt. If I am in debt and I cannot ever get myself out of debt, I need someone who is in credit to pay for me, to pay my debt. The Bible says that Jesus is in credit with God. Jesus is like the man who turns to you and gives you a massive hug and says, we've won. Because Jesus is the Son of God. He's not only in credit with God, Jesus is loaded. And he loves you and me so much that on the cross, he pays our debt. He literally says, it is finished. It's paid in full. So Jesus is rich enough and generous enough to pay the debts of everyone who puts their trust in him. Now, I haven't forgotten. I did tell you I'd throw this away. So um, the reason I'm doing this is partly because when this talk's finished, like a kind of halfway through next week, you think, well, what, what was the talk about? Oh, yeah. He threw 50 pounds into the congregation. Now, why on earth would he do that? Oh, yeah, because Jesus is a gift, a gift that shows we're valuable to God. Right, let's see how we go. I'll make it as small as possible to get as far as the distance. Incidentally, don't try and give this back to me afterwards. It really is a gift. That's the whole point of the talk. It's a real gift. Okay, here we go. Oh, wonderful. Okay, third point. The gift brings you peace. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Maybe I can just give you a, a, an amusing example of a time when peace came into my life. Folks, in our last house, when we lived in Birmingham, one morning, half past three in the morning, the alarm goes off on the outside of our house. And we have never heard the alarm. It's never gone off before. It's incredibly loud. It's going, my wife and I sit, what is that horrible noise? It's our alarm. We've never heard it. It's never gone off before. Panic strikes everything. No, 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 don't panic, don't panic. Adrian, all you need to do is go downstairs. Do you understand it's covered? Punch in your four digits like you were told. That horrible noise will stop. So I go downstairs, go into the understairs cupboard, punch in my four digits. And still it's going, right, must be the wrong, must be the wrong four number. Maybe it's somebody else's, one of the children's birthdays. Some, uh, somebody else's birthday. Um, so it's a different four digits. Still, okay, okay, what do I do? Right, um, I go to the fuse board. And so I, I flip all the switches so there's no electricity coming into the house. Still this thing's going, so what I did next was I got out a, a chisel and a hammer. <laughs> now, now don't do this at home. And, and so I, what I did is, is I chiseled away the electrical casing of the wires. There's no electricity in the house. And now I pull the wires out of the wall. So don't, don't do this ever. Okay, pull the wires out of the wall. There's no wires going into this box. 
Still this thing's going, it's about quarter to four in the morning. And I've got my semi-detached neighbors, Fred and Val, in my living room, in their dressing gowns. And I can't stop this thing. It's going, I think, okay, Adrian, Adrian, don't panic. The control panel, Adrian, is under your stairs. The actual alarm, Adrian, is on the front of your house. Yeah? Control panel's under the stairs. Alarm's on the front of your house. So I go outside into the street, 10 to 4 in the morning. When I go outside, there are two of my neighbors standing there in the street, one of whom is almost entirely naked. And they're thinking, Adrian, all you need to do is punch in your four digits. We can all go back to sleep. Adrian, you punch in your four digits. Everybody wins. Everybody goes back to sleep. But still this thing's going, it's now five to four in the morning. And I found a ladder and a sledgehammer. And I put this ladder up on the outside of my house. You know, hold this sledgehammer. And I'm going up this ladder. Five to four in the morning. And I'm going to smash this thing off the front of my house. And I get to the top of the ladder. And I pull back the sledgehammer to smash this thing to smithereens. And at that moment, it stops. And the peace. I can hear the birds singing. Folks, for me, that's what it was like when I began following Jesus. Because you see, over the years, the pressure builds. The family hassles. The relationship hassles. The relationship breakup hassles. The work hassles. Parental Expectation. But then you put your trust in Christ and the peace of Christ came inside me. And the peace, the peace came. I'm not on my own anymore. Christ is living inside me. There was a new peace that wasn't there before. So thirdly, peace. Fourthly and lastly, this gift brings you joy. After the Magi, or wise men, had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Okay, by this stage in my life, I'm asking, okay, I can see that, for example, the three wise men or the magi or however many wise men there were, I can see they were overjoyed when they met Jesus. How can I have the same joy, I was asking? Well, here's what happened to me, folks. I didn't have any, I mean, I didn't go to church. I didn't go to church. I didn't have any friends who went to church. But then I was invited along out of the blue uh, by somebody to a local church. And there I met a group of people who had a sense of peace and joy that wasn't dependent on their circumstances. And at their carol service, the Reverend Norman Moss 
did a carol service talk entitled, What's the Point of Christmas? And he said that if we accept God's gift of Christ at Christmas, then Christ will provide us with peace and joy in this life and in the next. But then, to illustrate how, he launched into a dramatic sketch whereby he comes down off the stage and he gets three volunteers, don't worry, I won't do this, uh, three volunteers from the congregation and they each stand on one of three chairs. So first volunteer comes up, this person stands on a chair here, Norman narrates his own sketch. Norman explains, this person's going to play the part of God the Father. And so God creates gravity and electromagnetism, neutrons and electrons. God brings space, time, matter, and energy into existence out of nothing at a point in the finite past. God creates our finely tuned universe, and then God creates life. Then God creates human beings eventually. And Norman's off again, second time. He's going to get his second volunteer. This person's going to play the part of mankind, womankind, humanity. And so man stands on his chair right next to God the Father. God and man have this massive hug. And at this point, everything in Norman's sketch is going really well. But then sadly, what happens next in Norman's sketch is that man becomes so kind of preoccupied with all the gifts that he's been given. It's almost like he forgets where these gifts have come from. In fact, he turns his back on the gift giver, on God the Father. He gets down off his chair and he starts to wander off in this direction. And can I just say, folks, I can relate to this. I can sympathize with this. Because I think I would have said, well, I mean, if God really did make the oxygen that I'm breathing, I mean, if God really did make the planet that I'm standing on, well, yeah, I mean, I suppose God probably should be number one in my life. But for so many reasons, he's not. I mean, not really. I mean, God's kind of on my radar somewhere. By this stage, man is back on his chair, but he's really quite a long way away from God the Father over there on that chair. Norman says, the thing is, Norman says, that all of us are on this chair. That the Bible says that all of us have sinned. And now, oh, we fall short of the glory of God. The glory of God's over there on that chair. We're on this chair. There's a big gap in between. Norman says, the thing is, Norman says, if we are still on this chair when we die... We will not be in heaven when we die. Because heaven's all the way over there. So we're looking at this big separation. We're looking at eternal death. In fact, the Bible says that the wages or the result of sin is death. So we're looking at the death penalty. This is the bad news, Norman says. And then Norman's face lights up. And he scampers back across the stage. And he says, but the good news at the first Christmas is that God over here on this chair is so loving that when he sees us in this terrible predicament over there at the first Christmas, he does something about it. Oh, yes, he calls for his son to enter the world. And Norman's off again for the third and final time. He's looking for his third volunteer. This person's going to play the part of Jesus, the Savior. And so this person comes and stands on a chair in between God and man, Norman explains, 
This is why the shepherds are told today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you because when Jesus, the baby savior, gets to be 33 years old, he takes the death penalty when he dies on the cross. The death penalty that was coming to us over here on this chair, Jesus takes it instead of everyone who puts their trust in him. Jesus dies, saves us from this death penalty by taking it himself, solves the problem. It's like he kind of builds a bridge back for man to come back to God. And so, morning sketch ends memorably with man making the most of the opportunity. Man holds on to Jesus. He clambers back across all three chairs. He goes through the cross, by the cross. He's holding on to Jesus. And eventually he gets all the way back on the same chair as God the Father. God and man have this massive hug. The carol service congregation erupts in cheers and laughter and applause. Then Norman spins around and says, that's the point of Christmas. That God so loved you over there in that chair that at the first Christmas, he did something about it. He sends his son Jesus into the world so that if you believe in him, if you put your trust in Jesus, you will not perish on this chair. No, you will end up going through the cross, by the cross. You will end up having eternal life with God the Father on this chair. And it's amazing to think that Jesus actually volunteered for this rescue mission. That this life, which we just read, began with these gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Jesus knew by stark contrast that his life would end, first of all, with a Roman whip, which was used by two Roman soldiers who whipped his back. And then after that, there was a, a crown of thorns, which was placed down upon his head. And then finally, three Roman nails driven into his hands and feet. And so as Jesus hung on the cross, he was making a connection, figuratively speaking. He was connecting heaven and earth, but he was also connecting God over here on the one hand with man over here on the other hand. In fact, Jesus was the only person who has ever lived who could have built this bridge. He was the only person who's ever lived who could have made this connection, who could have brought these two parties together. Jesus was uniquely qualified. Because on the one hand, the Bible says that he really was God. The Bible says that Jesus was as much God as God the Father is God. Jesus was as much God as God the Holy Spirit is God. In about five minutes, everyone in this room will be standing up and we will all be singing, veiled in flesh, the Godhead, see, hail the incarnate deity. Jesus was fully God. That's what the Bible says. But on the other hand, Jesus of Nazareth is a fact of history. I mean, he was a real human being. He was fully man. And so as Jesus hung there connecting heaven and earth, God and man, as he reached the end of his life and he realized that he had just built the bridge and made a way back for all of us, he did feel a sense of satisfaction. He did feel a surge of kind of job done, mission accomplished. And so as he hung there on the cross, he cried out in a loud voice, It is finished! 
job done. Mission accomplished. Bridge built. He just built the bridge across which any one of us can come and we can end up having eternal life with God the Father and we can have that eternal lasting sense of peace and joy. And so the message of Christmas really is glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men and women on whom his favor rests, peace and joy. Hey, once you've crossed this bridge, there's no need to worry about anything in this life or in the next. Once you've crossed this bridge, there's no need for you to be afraid of anything anymore. Once you've crossed this bridge, once you've got this peace and joy, what a thing it is for you, if you respond in just a moment's time, what a thing it would be for you to wake up tomorrow morning and then every morning for the rest of your life knowing, hey, it doesn't matter what comes against me today. I know God loves me. God's got a good plan for my life. I've got peace and joy with God. If you receive this peace this morning, what a thing it is for you. Maybe next week you're standing at a freezing bus stop, but you know in your heart, I've got peace and joy with God. And if you are not sure that you really have got this peace, you can have it, and you can have it right now. The whole reason why Christ came into the world at Christmas is so that you can have this peace and this joy. So I'd like to finish now by reading the last thing that we sang or reading the last verse of a little town of Bethlehem. And in a moment, I'd like to personalize it. In a moment, I'm going to pray, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to me, I pray. Cast out my sin and enter in. Be born in me today. Oh, come to me. Abide with me. My Lord, Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. So if you like, you can make that your prayer. I mean, I'll just say those words again. Take me, what, 30 seconds to say what I just said? Say that prayer. You needn't say anything out loud. But you can make that your prayer if you'd like to. So, you can close your eyes or bow your head if you'd like to. All I'm going to do is read the last verse of that carol again, make it a prayer, and then I'd just like to add another prayer that you might also like to make your own. So let's pray together, shall we, as we close. Let's pray. And maybe today, Silently, you are praying. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to me, I pray. Cast out my sin and enter in. Be born in me today. Oh, come to me. Abide with me. My Lord, Emmanuel. And maybe this morning you're praying something like this. Dear Lord God, Heavenly Father, I am sorry for the wrong things that I've done. I have sinned. I have fallen short of your glory. 
but thank you so much that at the first Christmas, you sent your son into the world to die on the cross as my substitute instead of me. Now I'm turning to you. You are my Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Okay. Well, as I'm sure you've noticed, a lot of guys have worked really hard to rehearse and put everything on for us and all the refreshments and everything. We would just really like to have your feedback. You know, Christmas 2020, should we do exactly the same thing? Something different? How could we do this differently? How could we do this better? What did you honestly think? We genuinely want everyone to write a comment on the comment card. So if you reach in front, in front of you, you will find there is a comment card, there is a pen. And while everyone is writing a comment, just for 60 seconds, if you want to make that prayer your prayer, then you can just tick the box that says, I prayed the old little town of Bethlehem prayer. Folks, if you're ticking that box, please tell us who you are. Tell us how we can get in contact with you. We'd love to encourage you. The idea here, folks, is if every single person joins in, that's how it works. Trust me, that's the only way it works. If all of us join in, if there's one person somewhere near you, and actually they would quite like to tick the box that says that they prayed the prayer, if everybody's reaching for a pen, they're not the only one. So it's easy for them to join in as well. So why don't you just take 60 seconds? We're going to have some background music. In 60 seconds, we'll all be standing up. The band will be back. The choir will be back. We'll sing our final count. But just for 60 seconds, during the background music, please leave us your comments, and it'll be uh, great to get your feedback. So just 60 seconds of your time, please. Leave us a comment. We'd be really grateful. God bless you. Okay, guys, thank you so much for your comments and your feedback. If you don't just want to leave your comment card when you've completed it in front of the seat that's in front of you, don't try and give it to anyone. Just leave it in the, in the uh, backs of the chairs. Our team will come around as soon as this service is finished. We'll collect up all the comment cards. Thank you very much for your comments. Why don't we stand together now? We're going to sing our last carol together. Hark the Herald. Angels sing.
Thank you so much for joining us on this Christmas celebration. Please do come again and visit us. Do come again next week and join us. We're going to enjoy some tea and coffee and cake together. If you do have questions about the life of the church, then please do ask somebody who's brought you or somebody you've been introduced to. Again, as you go out, uh, there'll be some information about our Alpha course, which we are starting in January. If everybody could have one as they go out. And uh, thank you so much for joining with us and hope to see you soon. Happy Christmas!